Rolling Bones Outdoors presents Hunt the World. Ever thought about going on that hunting adventure of a lifetime? Do you want to take your hunting skills to the next level, but didn't know where to start? This podcast will be for you. Our team at Rolling Bones Outdoors is here to help you create memories that will last a lifetime. Are you ready? Let's hunt the world. Thank you for joining us today for this episode of Hunt the World with Rolling Bones Outdoors. We appreciate you being here. Um, I uh, Welcome to the Bone Cave. We're, we're actually, just so everybody knows, the Bone Cave is going to be changing because um, next month we're going to have two bone caves. The original bone cave is going to become a studio um, for content um, and outfitters. We're going to be flying a bunch of outfitters in. We're going to do an outfitter corner behind our membership wall. Um, so it's going to be really good. So meet the outfitter. Um, members are going to be able to meet the outfitter on the, uh, um, on the, uh, on the hunt catalog. So it'll be really good. Um, and uh, we're up for that. Uh, so anyway, but the Bone Cave, welcome to the Bone Cave, and, and this one's going to become more public. We're going to open it to the public, have store hours, have a bunch of our gear in here, going to have a pro shop, and uh, it's going to be pretty cool for now until we build something bigger and better. Um, but the way it's going, we yeah. appreciate you guys' support, so it's really going well. But anyway, if you're ever in Spearfish, South Dakota, stop in. My name's Brian Maiman. You can ask for me, but I'm usually hiding somewhere not here. No, I'm teasing. <laughs> um, but anyway, uh, I'm here with the great uh, mountain man extreme, Brian Martin. Welcome. Uh, good to have you. Not welcome. You're here all the time. Thank so. you. Thank you, Mr. B. And then hashtag 393. <laughs> Hola. Brad Dana. And then um, hashtag B-L-E-E-P. Soon to have his own email. <laughs> Soon to have. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have bleep, aren't we? We're going to do bleep at rbohome.com. Yep. And I, and I get to have the... Uh, 393 looking over my shoulder every episode every, in the studio here. You know what? And that's one thing we are going to do. Now, I don't know if we'll have 393 at the new studio, but we will have something looking over your shoulder. Yeah. Um, but we are going to start filming this for YouTube um, so yeah, people can I can watch literally it. turn around from the microphone, reach out my hand, and touch the nose of that record-setting elk. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> it's uh, hashtag I passed in the morning, shot him in the afternoon, um, but not so smart all the time. But I am an intelligent guy, highly educated. Kind, of, a, kind of dovetails a little bit with our topic today, but we'll get to that No, in a it second. absolutely <laughs> does. Yeah, I'll finish the intro. Sorry, I like to digress, you know. Um, but anyway, today we're going to talk about... Um, I sent a text out. Actually, I want to read the text because I thought it was kind of cool. I sent a text to everybody, and I said, okay, the topic for today is and, – and I know I, this was a good topic. You came up with it, which – Actually, uh, Kelly Poole brought it to my attention and talked to Brian Martin and I about it. Oh, really? Is that where it came from? Yep. So yep. it wasn't you. It was Kelly. I knew yes. it wouldn't be Brian Martin because he would not like this, but we're going to make him talk about it. But anyway, why most people won't kill a 380-inch bull or a 200-inch whitetail or a 400-inch caribou or a 70-inch-plus moose. Um, and that's okay. And that's okay. And that's okay. That's what we're going to talk about today. And I, I love it, actually. it's um, I'm looking forward to this because I think there's so, outdoor television has sensationalized this uh, this, I want to kill the biggest, I want to kill the baddest, I want to kill, you know, that, that it takes some of the fun out of it, you know? And so anyway, um, well that and social media too. 
Yeah, social media, uh, especially, yeah, it, it's just exploited that it's bigger or it's not better, and uh, that's not totally the case, um, I will tell you that. So anyway, we're going to talk about that today, um, but uh, yeah, so let me start by saying this. Brad, when we went hunting for hashtag 393, what was your threshold? A big, mature bull and have a blast hunting. And uh, it was a tag I knew I'd only get once in a lifetime, so I wanted to make the most of it. So I don't know that I had a number in my mind, but I wanted I, – I expected to hunt longer. And, uh, you know, some people had – everybody I talked to said I shot I shot bulls on the first day, and I wish I would have held out. Well, so, so there's a lot of pressure in my mind that I put on myself. So much so that this is actually why I ask you first, because it's a perfect segue into this conversation, and I would like to open this up into our can of worms. But and I tease you all the time. Yeah. But because of that, now, now I I, I want to I don't want to say you're wrong, but I remember scouting in the f- late summer. Yep. And you said, you know what, I want mass. And I really want something 360 or above. Yep. And you talk to a lot of guys that is shot at 345, 355 with big whale tails, gorgeous yep. bulls. Great elk. And they were screaming, and they just couldn't not kill those. And so what happened was, because of what exactly this topic is today, you passed that because you hyperanalyzed. You put shooting it too early in front of what it actually really was, and your brain got in a wrestling match. Maybe you can explain that in your words instead of me teasing you all the time. Well, it's funny because I would say part of that, when I watched the footage that afternoon, because there was so many elk running around, it was crazy. It was crazyville there. I mean, we had elk walking right beside us oh my gosh brian's grabbing a 340 350 class bull and setting it right beside him <laughs> but uh we had uh, we had elk everywhere and i wish I re- they could see, i wish our audience could see this right now and i remember seeing that bull come because it's right main beam has a distinctive flare to it and uh i remember thinking to myself when i watched the footage i was like ooh. That wasn't the same elk that I thought it was in my mind. You know, so I had a little, I had some mind games going on, actually. And I think some of it was the pressure of, you know, I was one, I think I figured my odds of drawing that tag were about one in 1,750. Wow. And a super hard, super, super hard tag to draw. And I'm done now. You know, I mean, I I have to sit out for nine years before I can even apply. Yeah. And you which know, by the time you draw yeah. again would put you at a hundred. Just to refresh everybody's memory, that was at a unit in South sa- Dakota, south and northwest South Dakota. Yeah, it was a it was a it was niche, South Dakota. Yeah, it was a niche, unit. Yeah, it was a South Dakota unit. So, um, but anyway, so that was that was what was going on. I mean, it was just I, that was I was doing some mental wrestling. Well, and the yeah. other thing was is because in in that this bull in your defense, this bull had so much mass yeah. that honestly we'd saw we'd called in a bull that wanted to beat this bull's ass, but it knew it couldn't, and we called it right by you. And you would you would in your mind because the tines looked longer and yeah. his whale tails looked longer because they appeared to be longer. You were like, I think that's a better bull. And Jason and I were like, you know what? Because you were playing this mental gymnastics between I've I've taken 22 <laughs> years to draw this tag. Right. It better be the thing. And 
And so you were questioning everything you knew. Right. And Jason and I had nothing invested other than we wanted to help you kill the biggest bull we could find. And so it's just funny because I think so many people – uh, you know, I just talked to Tracy Valdez, who is a great friend mm -hmm. of ours, and he sent me some pictures of bucks that he um, didn't shoot um, in Mexico. And then I, and I was having this conversation with him yesterday for like an hour, hour and a half on the phone. And I'm like, Tracy, have you lost – which we're going to get Tracy on this call here yep. soon yep. Um, on a podcast, and he can tell this story. But, you know, he, he be, because of – you spend so much time. You get so focused. You got so much resources, whether it be time or money, into this. And then I'm going to kill the biggest thing out there right. that, that sometimes Instagram has trained our brain to forget the fact that we're there to kill something cool, mature – and there's more to this adventure than just gross number of inches. Well, and, and it's hard sometimes because you, okay, so once once you uh, see those points racking up, once you draw that tag, they're gone. And like some of these tags, I'm on my second go-round, right, trying to reaccumulate. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you're reaccumulating points, and now you're getting close to the second time. Well, I remember the first time on some of these tags that I had, I was like, this is going to be my best opportunity to shoot a really big bull. And I, 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 you know, there's a progression of a hunter. And I, there was nothing that I liked more than elk hunting for a long, long period of my life. And I think I, I figured up I shot 24, or 25 elk. I counted them. And uh, I've had some tags a lot. that were, I thought were my opportunity and I didn't come home. Here's the other problem. Like, just to go along with the theme of this podcast, so you draw that tag that's a really good unit and a really tough unit to draw, and you're totally unfamiliar with it. You've not hunted it before. Um, you can do your best. You know, for me to go down in one of the units I've drawn in, I've, I drew in New Mexico, it's a 13-hour drive for here, from here, right? Mm -hmm. So there's only so much opportunity to get down there and scout it. And I remember... You know, taking a long weekend, going down, trying to scout it. Oh, need horses back here. For sure need horses. Okay, well, it's too. this is too far of a drive to bring my horses. So now you're turning that into, okay, I need to line up horses, rent horses. You know, I, I mean, I you know, I was, that, you know, I mean. known horses. Right. So that, you know, if you don't know where you're going. Now I've drawn some other units that are close here. That we're much closer, you know, two and a half hour drive from me here to hunt and I could draw that every year. Well, there was an advantage to me hunting that every year for 10 years in a row because you learned the country really well. You knew where the elk were going to be. You knew where they were going to go when they got pressured. You knew if you bumped him here, um, this was a safe little spot here, this saddle down here, we're going to get down to this, this bench, blah, blah, blah. Those were all things to consider. That's why you may not get your hundred or three hundred and eighty inch bull. Yeah, first of all, yeah. they might they might not grow yeah. a three hundred and eighty yeah. inch bull. First of all, the the first hurdle is, okay, is that Shaquille O'Neal hmm. going to be right? I mean, they don't make humans like Shaquille O'Neal on a, on, a, on every block in America, right? Not one out right. of fifty, is right. It? right? Right. That bull is Shaquille O'Neal right there, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, seven foot well, one or whatever one the, he is. One of the things I would say um, that if I had to encourage hunters that are listening. You know, if, if you're going on a paid hunt and, and you have seven days on this hunt, 10 days, 12 days, say it's a, a combo hunt, it's 14 days, which are more of an opportunistic hunt, um, or, or that's how I would approach a combo hunt. But anyway, I would say that you should 
ask yourself some questions. And you've been a guide forever, so maybe you could speak to this, Brian. But I would say you, you should ask yourself some questions. What are you looking for? Is the, is the trophy um, what you're looking for? You want to kill the biggest thing possibly you can find on that mountain, and you're going to give your guide deference to what that is, and you're willing to last wait till the last day? Are you looking just to kill and, and say, I collected that animal? Are you looking – which none of these are bad, by the way. Are you looking – for a great representative of that animal, better than average representative of that animal? Are you looking for, if it's deer hunting, are you looking, or elk hunting, are you looking for something super tall? Are you looking for something super wide? Do you like something with a lot of mass? I think having an idea in your head, and that's where I think we can help a lot as a consultant and as um, as a service, you know, find out what do they have on this hunt? What What is... Uh, indicative of this region or area of this specific animal you're going to hunt so you can have an idea before you go in because the thought of i'm going to go like that that uh, caribou we're looking at right over your head brian right 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 is three you know in three nineties right so i'm going to go in with a four i wanted to kill a 400 inch bull okay Do, so is that a 400 inch bull you know what that is that's a kick-ass bull that's going to get in that type a, of class it's a 400 inch bull with a 25 inch spread it, it is, and it's just—it's crazy, though, right? So if that thing would have had a—if that thing would have had a, you, uh, can, you can bring him through the bathroom door. No, no kidding. No, it, that's what it is. I mean, that's what it is. Because normally a caribou would be three feet wide, and that's two feet wide. Exactly, and and if he was three feet wide with all that stuff going on, it wouldn't. But so a great a great example is you want to shoot a big mule deer. I'm, I want to shoot a two hundred inch mule deer, right? Well, if you're going to go to eastern Montana and hold out for a 200-inch mule deer, you're going to get a lot, do a lot of hunting and not very much shooting. And then if you shot a 180 because you thought it was 200 because you didn't have a good reference of what it was, are you going to be disappointed? So how do you manage that for a guy going into your camp, Brian? Well, I tell the hunters, if you, if you want to shoot a 200-inch deer, I mean, you're very selective in where you can do it or, or a 400-inch elk. But you also need to know what one looks like because I've had times – where sometimes a great guide is not necessarily a great trophy judge. Now, I think more and more of the guides now are better trophy judges, but I've seen guys, well, they want to shoot a 50-inch Ibex, for example. And you're looking at the Ibex, I said, well, how big is that one? I don't know, is it 45? No, it's a 40-incher. So if you don't know what you're looking right. like, if you don't know what you're looking at, you need to be able to help the guy because it is hard, and a lot of guides don't want to say, I'll put this number on it and stick to it. So, I mean, if you, and I've seen guys walk up to an animal and put a tape on it, and usually we don't tape them much in the field until we get back to camp, um, and then they're disappointed, right? Uh, did which which I got to tell you, and I know if you're listening, you're going to go, well, don't judge me. That's so bullshit. When I squeeze a trigger on an animal, no matter what size he is, I squeeze the trigger. I, I took that animal's life. You should, be, you should be somewhat respectful to the animal and not be disappointed, in my opinion. But anyway, go ahead. But it, it is. I mean, like for that, as nice as that bull is, I knew when I shot it, it wasn't as big as the big one. And part of me didn't want to shoot him. Just for, for reference, you're, yeah. you're pointing to the elk that you yeah. harvested in yeah. Wyoming. Which I drug here. over here. Which, uh, yeah, he's, which he's, Brian he's, just drug he's over here. He's big framed and he's old. <laughs> He just doesn't score great. He's got a couple broken yeah, lines. Yeah, he he would have even scored better. I mean, you got. I mean, on that beam that you're holding right there, Brian, you got the the two two two, yeah, two uh, tines are broken, right? But he's there. got forty pounds worth of horns here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, but so, for example, though, compared to the one I'd seen two days earlier in I scouting. Understand. Yeah. Uh, so I was I, I was not upset. I was happy that I made a good shot. Uh, I went over and made a, a follow up shot, 
um, that everything was good. Recovery was great. Everything went great. And just he's a hell find, of a trophy. He is. He's the second biggest bull I saw within the hunting distance where we could get to within, you know, a few hours. And he, and here's one of the mental gymnastic events that he had to go through too. He's a max point holder. Max point holder pulled the trigger, spent his points. Now he's got zero points. Yeah, and I could and put in a random draw in the yeah. next 10 years and have a 2 or 3% chance yeah. of drawing Yeah, because that took you a long time to draw that. 15 years. Yeah. yeah. Well, Brad's took, what, 18 or 20 years. So Mine this bull's yeah, this bulls, this bulls a 350, just maybe a little under 350. Well, Is that what my you friend that was hunting with me, he thought it was maybe 360 because of the big frame. But, you know, it doesn't have the time length on the top. Yeah, his thirds, well, if his, th I mean, his thirds are, his thirds are a little compromised. But uh, other than that, I mean, you know, but, yeah. But, but, it, I guess but again, it's, I it's, saw it's, that bull. I could have shot that bull opening day easily. I saw him the day before the season opened. I saw him this first day of the season. I saw him the second day of the season. With a bull that I really wanted, I saw him the same the, uh, the day before I saw this bull. I didn't see this bull the day I spotted the big one. Yeah. And then I, I left the big one. I didn't want any wind or any spooking. I let, we'll put him to bed at noon. And then came back at daylight the next day, and he never showed again. So I have a question for you, and it's a question that I believe a lot of our listeners have right now. Are you disappointed in your hunt because you killed this bull? No, I, I'm happy that I got the big one on film. Um, I don't know, but the thing is, I'm disappointed that I that we couldn't we did everything perfect, and he never showed back up. So we didn't scare him. But what scared him? Why did he leave? Did he not get scared? We kind of had the cut, the, the places cut off, so we, we didn't think he would get, get out of right. there. But so he there's, just there's a mystery of how the big one got away. And I didn't want to sp start over and relocate other bulls because by then other hunters have been hunting in other areas for two, three, four days, depending on when we got to another area. And I didn't want to have to start from scratch in an area that I hadn't scouted and going on some one of because one of my guide buddies has seen a 380 plus bull. But that was at least a day's ride away. So let me ask and you a we, question. And who knows if there's other hunters in there. Let me ask you another question in maybe a different way, same type of question. If you would have spent $9,500 or $12,000 on this hunt, and the guide would have been sitting there and saying, hey, listen, um, you know, I, there's other guys in other areas. This big bull give us a slip. We haven't seen him in a couple of days now. Would you have shot this bull and feel, felt like you wasted your money? No, because um, I'd seen that uh, that other really big bull, and he just wasn't there. I mean, that other bull was a legit 380 net. Um, but, I mean, I would have done something. I mean, had I been a normal client, I wouldn't have been guiding in British Columbia and Alberta just before this hunt and rushed down to try and get to this hunt in barely time. I probably would have got here a couple of days earlier, and I would have, wouldn't have had other clients counting on me after I got this elk. So I didn't really give myself a lot of time. Yeah, you had extraneous had, pressures. Had I had, say, seven days of hunting and three, four days of scouting, say, ten days, I probably would have passed this bull, looked for the bull maybe that day, and if, then gone and relocated another one. If this was a paid hunt and you one. paid $9,500, would you want your client to pass this bull I have my hands on? Mm -hmm. And I'm going to tell you, most clients, every, everybody no. knows it's a 340, 345-inch. No, most clients should shoot that bull. Um, unless they're super fit and have a lot of time, because we can, that in that area you can get snow the next day, and that and the elk will leave, and then you got to start from scratch. And here's another interesting perspective: that area that you shot that bull last year was super down in the west because of the drought. Mm -hmm. That bull, the year before, could have been significantly bigger. Well, on the ranch that's over the hill from here, right. they did not shoot a bull bigger than that, and they charged a lot of money. 
plus you had a so draw. So there you go. And then and now, they traditionally uh, uh, will shoot and that's elk. a private. That's, that's but a resident hunter, twenty to forty inches. A bigger. resident hunter did kill. I mean, a non-resident hunter in the lower country where it would typically be really good when you get snow, but there was a big old bull there. I I think I showed you the pictures. It was a seven by seven. The score is minimum of three ninety net, in my opinion. So it was the only bull that I saw a picture of, dead or alive, that was bigger than the one I was after. So I would have been super. So there it is. To your point, Bleep, people, that was on Instagram. All these people. was so on Instagram. A friend sent it to me. Okay, but let's say there's nine or ten of those bulls on Instagram that just permeate into the marketplace, and everybody sees them and goes, that's what I'm going to have. My question to you is, before you go out west, if I'm sitting there having a beer with you right now, Hunter, you know, Dennis from Peoria, Illinois, is is 400 inches, yes, that's a good benchmark, and that's what everybody wants going into the woods and into the mountains, but is 360 going to suffice when that bull steps out, and are you going to feel like you cheated yourself by squeezing the trigger on a 350 to 340 wow. class bull? Well, inst Instagram, to a certain extent, has kind of ruined Hunter's expectations of what's realistic. Bingo. Because it's like, it's like yeah. chicks, right? They say a lot of young girls have complexes because they go to Instagram and there's all these Insta girls. And you go to Instagram, there's all these Insta hunters, you know, and they got these, they always show the big ones and the big ones get all the press. So you have Insta all these hunters. Yeah. So you have all these so, other animals so that don't. Be keep, you know, keeping this in context, I think that's an excellent point. Okay. My nephew right now is looking for a Wyoming elk hunt. And I guarantee you, if he was in your spot last summer and had drawn up there and went up there and came back with a 350, he'd be excited out of his mind well yeah. but you who have hunted for 35 40 years and guided all over the world you have different expectations but you've earned i think the right to have those expectations but if you're putting yourself in the shoes of an unexperienced hunter and i'm thinking of that day that kelly brought this to me because she'd been on the phone 30 or 35 times a day and everybody wants to go out there on their first or second or third hunt. yeah can i shoot a 380 exactly and they you know if they're going to plop you know 10 or twelve thousand dollars they want that 350, 360-inch. Here's, wow. here's where I really see that. And they're really not going to be happy that. without anything less. Here's one of the things that when we book people into camps, archery elk hunts. So you, got, you, have, to, you have to put match realistic expectations. Like when I, I used to archery elk hunt every year, and that was the most important event to me. And I scheduled everything around it. And I, I would figure my calendar out. Okay, this year I can hunt 16 days. Mm -hmm. This year I can hunt 18 days. Some of it was how many days I got to spend on that mountain chasing them too. That was almost as important. Right. right. And the quality of the hunt, I didn't look at that quality of the hunt. Now, I wouldn't hold, I, I wouldn't hold out and pass up a 350 bull for it, but my goal was to shoot a mature, big mature bull, and I'd pass everything else because to me, the experience of the time on the mountain was as important or more important than just shooting an elk. Right. And I remember, yeah. I can still remember, I'd be scheduling this, and I had this elaborate plan, and my dad was like, you know, <laughs> you, you're not always going to be able to run up a mountain. You're not always going to be yeah, in it. That's right. That's right. So 25, 30 years later, here we are. <laughs> so go back go back to 2016, Brad, for a minute. I'd be curious, because when you went to Alaska and you were hunting brown bear, and you were after a specific bear on that trip. If I recall, you were going for a 10-foot. Yep. And they were, those were extremely rare. So how did you approach, how did you manage your expectation on that hunt? Well, I picked up a cancellation hunt on that, and I've already shot a, a mature brown bear. Um, 
And so this Did your taxidermist know that? <laughs> I don't know. He put that on a little black bear. <laughs> oh, black I'm bear a, you know what? I'm going to go so take Which one is that one over there behind you, Brian? I mean. <laughs> no, those, no, 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 no. Those aren't, no, the, know, those aren't my first one. No, he, my I first know. one, I'm my first him. mount he, is in the garage. I'm going to get a picture uh, of that and put it on Instagram this next week and so everybody can yeah. see it. And they're, yeah, they're, they're going to think it was stuffed in 1942. Go ahead. I digress. That's a whole different deal. Anyway, go ahead. But anyway. Um, so I picked up cancellation. It was a two-on-one. This is a real unusual camp that has a two. This is a two-on-one hunt. Usually these are one-on-one hunts for this type of deal. So I go in there because I don't know the other guy. We got along super great. Yeah. Super nice setup. Um, you were both he, dentists, which helped. He he def- he basically deferred to me, but I no. had. And my outfitter goes, "I found your bear, Brad." He goes, "He's a giant, and he sticks out like a sore thumb because he's got white ears." Really dark, and he's got a blonde, a blonder head. He, when you see him, you're gonna know him. I've only seen him once, and he was was it two days ago when I was setting up camp, and I was like, okay. Well, I was prepared at that point because I was looking for a big bear. I've already got a brown bear. I didn't, you know, I, I wanted, I wanted a nice, a really nice mount because they give me a lot of joy. I get a lot of joy out of that seeing that mount. Um, brings back memories every time I look at it. Right. And uh, I was willing to pass up everything. Now, I, I it wasn't like I was looking for a ten foot or bust. Yeah, you know, I wasn't gonna, gonna I wasn't part, gonna go home at nine foot eight. Right, no, no, no. Right. Part but, of this was yeah. that your outfitter. Now, I, I want to make a point here. His outfitter, our outfitter that we book for, um, he he's gonna he is really good at saying we're not killing that bear. Because I wanted a big bear the last time we went in there, and we had a giant, blonde, nappy-haired bear. And he's like, I, re- I will not let you shoot that. And we only had two days left of the hunt. And I'm like, you'll be really disappointed you're gonna if, be you really shoot d- that, if you shoot that bear. You'll be, wow. He's big. And I said, I don't be think disappointed. so. And he, goes, and he goes, he just literally grabbed my gun and moved over in front of him. And he goes, I think so. <laughs> so, so the outfitter is really good at knowing what he has that's, that's and a helping. Good, good outfitter. Does that make sense? Yeah, so anyway, totally. but go ahead. Brad. Yeah, but 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 my point was is I knew what I wanted. Now I I'm, I can be the greatest holdout and not want to burn my tag too. I can be horrible at that. But there's also times when I want to when I'm getting ready and I'm and I'm feeling the need. Then it's like I can't I can't flick that safety. I would off say fast that's enough. more than I would well, say that more than the first one. Well, <laughs> to, to shoot to shoot really big animals like we were talking about the elk, um, you can't hunt. Like what we, one of the outfitters I know calls scared money. So if you're hunting on scared money, you're not going to be able to hold out for the biggest because at some point you're going to say, if I don't shoot this animal, my wife's going to be mad. I want to be upset. Whatever. I've seen, seen a lot of different things. So um, you have to be in the right state of mind. The guys who shoot the biggest elk consistently don't necessarily have to shoot one. Um, they've already shot a lot or they've paid a lot of money to guarantee their success, basically, which is landowner tags, extra scouting. You know, you don't go hunt wilderness areas very often. But don't you think a lot of guys go through that, though? I mean, they'll go through that scared money stage, if not, you know, early on, or you might live it. If you don't want, if you have to shoot a big one, you have to be willing, just as just as happy to go home without one, and not be stressed out. Because if every time you shoot it, you know, or the guys like I think that's a really good point. Or like I say, let's say you go on a big mule deer hunt and you take 15 years to draw the tag. 
And if I saw a really old mule deer or three by four the very last day of the season, I would maybe shoot it. But I won't shoot just a marginal four point that's young just to kill it because it doesn't help anything. It doesn't help the next hunters, doesn't help the biology in the area. Because, you know, a lot of hunters get a rap as, you know, you read the anti-hunter slogans and they say, well, the hunters shoot all the, the, the good genetics out. Which, I mean, that's the hard part when you don't have private land. Public land does typically, it's kind of a tragedy that commons, you know, feast or famine, shoot whatever you have. That's why the private land hunts, where whether it's in Mexico or Utah or, you know, these places like that, Colorado, the, the, the ranchers typically and the outfitters manage for a, an older, bigger animal. They just don't want you shooting three- and four-year-old mule deer unless they have bad genetics. They leave those three-, four-, and five-year-old mule deer alone. And same with the big elk. They don't like like the Flying D Ranch in Montana. They almost never shoot five and six and seven year old elk. They like to shoot eight plus. So the genetics are or highly controlled or highly controlled yes. tags. That's the other thing. And that's the way most of that. Europe is. Honestly, most of Europe, um, a lot of South America, different places, they are that way. You know, it's 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 different. We have a different thing here in the U.S. because you're doing a lot of public land hunting. I'm what probably 50, 60 percent of the hunting out west at least is on public land, depending on the state. And so you're shooting a large amount of animals. You're competing with other hunters. And I, I, I learned on this hunt, the scouting that we did was hugely useful because I can get in there and see what is potential. So you don't have that anxiety on opening day of like, well, I don't know what's here. Cause we kind of knew it was there. And that's why I didn't shoot anything on opening day, uh, even though I could have because I was looking for that big bull. Had I not scouted, maybe I would have shot that other right. bull. I yeah, would have not that's, known that's, that bull was good, there. That's a good point to make. I, I, would so. like to, I would like to add something to that because what I heard Brian just say, is is in um brian martin the brian the mountain man martin um is that he learned on this hunt the scouting some of you are going well that's nice because you live in spearfish south dakota you can drive over five and a half hours you're up in the mountains six hours um to that side of wyoming but if you're not if you're not able to do that you can still learn through our service you call kelly you call mary you call brian you call brad you call myself we can help you because the outfitters we're going to put you with have a good understanding and you want to know if you're booking a hunt if you don't book a hunt through us and you book it through somebody else you need to take what he just said and build that good understanding through asking questions because most hunters can't get out there for a week before like you said does that make sense brian yeah the other thing is is i want to add something to your scared money i was thinking about this a week or two ago when you said that okay because we were talking about a specific Uh hunter i don't think it's just scared money i think we got out we got hunters that and i know i've been one of these scared of time and then they're scared of the empty tag syndrome 15 years of drawing a tag yeah, because he was scared of time. I just put 21 years in there. That's no different than the guy who just spent 21000 and he didn't have 21000 to hunt, but this was his once-in-a-lifetime shot, and he doesn't want to screw up his decision. And so people come in scared of money. They come in scared of time. They come in and scared of going home empty, tagged. I think that some of that that is – Instagram is promoting that now. You know what I'm saying? Because yeah. they go, they see this big on animal. They see that, or on TV, we, they see it on those shows. Yeah, and we lose track of the fact that listen, I, I'm spending 21 grand to go hunt where there are these animals and have an epic adventure. I've spent 18 years to be able to even have go. Listen, Brad, it wasn't my tag. But I had an epic adventure. Brian and you right. and I went up there. We saw a bunch of elk right. before. Couldn't it's believe just, it. The whole experience was a blast. That morning, we'd seen a three three twenty bull with a whole harem of 
bull, uh, cows and we're yeah. scratching our head going, what? And we'd heard shots before it, and yep. we found out a 350 got killed out of them. Yeah. And all those elk were running across from that guy that, that did squeeze the trigger too mm -hmm. early. He shot a 350. You guys fell asleep um, after I woke up. And we had called in a satellite bull, and I'm trying to wake you guys up because there's a little 290-inch bull sitting down there mm -hmm. going, hey, what's going on over here? I'd like to get this cow. So just the nine hours of hunting we had was an amazing adventure. Unbelievable, huh? And so, you know, I think that people need to grab a hold of this thought of what you're looking for outside the number of inches. And um and and try to figure out what they want from the entire. So adventure. how do you get over that? I mean, how do you avoid being scared of time, scared of a tag well, it, sandwich, scared it's, of? It's actually easy. The, the I'd money. Like to, that's a good question. It's actually like easy because you have to keep in perspective that hunting is supposed to be fun. It should be challenging, but some too many hunters put unrealistic goals on a hunt, and it'd be kind of like a guy who's forty years old wants to lose fifty pounds and look like Arnold Schwarzenegger in two years. That would be like a guy who draws a tag and wants to shoot a 400-inch bull on public land. Right? Very low odds. It's a great goal to have, but have some other goals in there because I've seen too many hunters, you know, what's that saying, fail to plan and plan to fail. So if you don't have goals, you may not. If you fail to plan. plan yeah. yeah, fail to plan yeah. and plan You're to fail. You're planning to yeah. fail, yeah. Yeah, so that's kind of – but the thing is we, we really do – take hunting sometimes too seriously i mean really at the end of the day most people used to hunt just for, i have a real easy way to they just used to hunt for for meat and they the the, the, bone, the trophy was now we we say we used to live to hunt we we hunted to live now and we now live we to live hunt. hunt right and so in, in my opinion i think we all sometimes take ourselves too seriously and at the end of the day you have to be able to laugh about stuff that's not whether you shoot a 370 or 400 inch elk doesn't necessarily make you a better hunter in fact, some of the guys that have the big, biggest bulls and the biggest bucks were not really that great hunters. That's correct. The guys I know that sometimes I, I met some lucky suckers that couldn't hunt well, their way out of a wet paper. Well, what's bag your focus? If your focus, if you have enough money and your focus is on score, you can acquire that. Yeah, you can buy it. It's like if you're focused on the Weatherby Award and you relatively have enough toughness to do a few sheep hunts, you can go shoot all these animals around the world with money. It's not like it's not It's still a challenge, but you don't have to shoot big ones. And it's not that mean you're a great hunter. It means you're a good client and a good shooter. So, but hunting is a very personal thing, but we do take ourselves too seriously. So I, I have an answer for you. I think it's easy to quit comparing. I think people need to quit comparing, go out there and compete against yourself, compete against the elements, compete against the environment, compete against what that geographical region has uh, brad and i went hunting every single day in montana and we didn't squeeze the trigger and it was one of my best years in montana ever i don't know how many tags i've eaten in montana but i don't know if i'll ever beat that 190 out there that 189 and 5 eighths buck on our on our montana hunting property that's a giant buck for there it, it, it's as well that's a good buck it, for a lot of mexico it, and yeah and we we have no complaints the season was over we hunted well we hunted 18 20 days probably at least on that but we I mean, this year. And we never squeezed the trigger, and we went home satisfied, and we're we happy did. with the result. But our buddy and the landowner was with me one day, and I, I, I literally, we were glass, and I looked to my right, and there was a dog, or a, a, a buck coming in, just dogging, 28 inches wide, three-point with stickers on him. And big old mature buck, man, big old pot belly, neck this big around, and I'm like, I'm going to kill that buck if you don't want to. And he's like, I'll kill that buck. And 
it, I would have killed that buck. It was, it was, I was competing against what was there, and I wasn't comparing to who has killed what across on the neighbor's place, who's killed what across in another county, what buddies killed what in Wyoming compared yeah. to Montana. Yeah. I say quit comparing. It's, and it's there's true. A, there, it it caused a lot of jealousy. Here's the other thing. I've watched guys go to hunting camp because there's this guy in camp that's going to sp- – spend all kinds of money and i'm a 200 plus inch deer hunter i've watched guys in camp start comparing themselves to him and they've let 195s walk that i spot for them and four points that are 195 and because they're competing against another hunter they lose their mind and they go oh i'm not going to kill that buck and then they walk out killing a nice 183 inch deer on the last day but they could have walked out with a 197 that had mass galore and just an unbelievable deer. Oh, that deer's a suspect deer because it was three inches under 200. That was a seven-year-old deer, man. Well, Not yeah. a question. And that was all because we're competing against or comparing against another hunter in camp. I think that shit's ludicrous. Or even an ideal, too. Uh, ideal, you know. right. Well, there's hunters I know that – they fully, when they go to a camp, they intend to shoot the biggest one there. And I've I've heard stories that if that guy doesn't shoot the biggest one, he's gonna be, he might not show it too bad, but he's gonna be really butthurt. Like his goal, he wants to shoot the biggest. Yeah, one I don't ever. get that. And, that, and that's really kind of like crazy because hunting, unless you go on a game farm and the, which, which I, we have a known quantity, there's still luck involved. It was the, the harder you work, the luckier you get. That's true, but a lot of it is certain luck. You can go on a great hunt, great area, and have the worst weather. You can go on a draw a tag on the year that you have a big drought and the animals are 20 inches down. Like one of our outfitters in Montana, he said, we used to average 170 on this ranch this year, 155. And he said that was a good deer for this year. Everything was down. Well, I watched this hunter I'm talking about, and I don't want to mention any names. I showed him a 196. I was actually scouting for him that morning. He passed that deer up, no problem. I watched him. I watched him, and I had no idea. He was sitting on another perch watching a 192-inch deer that was um, 29 wide with 32 outside because they had two kickers on it, and he was letting this deer walk all week long, which he would have never done if that other hunter wouldn't have been in camp. That Those two deer would have hit the dirt way they went, and they, they were both in the 90s. giant. And I got film. I filmed both of them. I, I was like, wow, this is stupid, crazy crap. Yeah, you're you're not looking at. Uh, I'm not looking at anybody. No, okay, you're not looking at well, anybody. There I'm, might be I'm, a different. I'm, I'm not, I'm, the, the other I'm not, perspective. I'm not might looking. Be. No, no, there's no other perspective. Well, let me just hypothesize of another perspective. Best deer unit that that person maybe has ever drawn in his life and will ever draw again. Possibly, who knows? You never know. You might. There's a few this other. This wasn't units. a draw unit. This is well. It's definitely a draw unit. It's an but, unit, but, but it was it, a landowner tag. But anyway, yeah. Okay, but if you have that tag, does it matter? Because you, there could be a no, giant walkthrough. It's you're, ten days. You're exactly enjoy, right. You got it, ten it, days to hunt. You do you. But it, you enjoy the. Hunt I totally understand that, but worth. you can't tell me that hunter might not have been because there was this mystical, magical deer that was actually dead at that time. Nobody knew it because they found the shedhead later. Right. And you can't tell me that there wasn't a little bit of a um, competing against each other, comparing. Uh, no, because I specifically wouldn't have shot that deer. That deer was off limits. I wasn't going to shoot that because we had. Then what the hell were you looking at? Now that you let the word the can out of the the worms out but, of the can. Yeah. A lot of this. So the guys I know that kill the most elk, big elk on the least amount of money, live pretty much in either Montana, 
Idaho or Wyoming. Yeah, and they're in and, them. And, and, they, and they scout. They know the areas. They get a, they, Because they're a resident, they get a tag every year. They start with a bow, and then they go to a rifle if they don't kill it. If you don't live in a state like that, even where I grew up in Oregon, unless you have private land access, your good tags are going to take years to draw. They just don't have the elk population. So you have to, if you really want to get big elk, you really need to look at the landowner tags. But then the problem here is what Brian said to begin with, or Bleep said, is that therein lies the issue. Those guys might kill one animal. I think Brad actually said that earlier. Okay, 393, hashtag 393. Okay, mm -hmm. that went viral. We had uh, 100,000 people in a week look at it, over uh, 600 comments and questions come in. Our phone was blowing off the hook where that bull came from, 393, okay? Totally unrealistic. Brad lives here 20 years now. A guy books a hunt in a, in a similar unit in eastern Colorado um, and says, I want to kill that buck or that yeah, bull. Not, not going to happen. That's, almost zero percent. Now, but even, even that buck – Almost that bull. there's um, or that bull yeah. almost zero percent chance of that reoccurring. So here's here's the thing. That bull's you know, dead. Well, you, I mean, uh, yeah, an equivalent bull. No, I understand, but they're chasing Shaquille O'Neal. Is Shaquille yeah. O'Neal going to so, grow in that little chunk? So, of so <laughs> again, right? let's let's help Kelly out here a little bit, guys. Okay, because she's the one on the front lines of this. So when my my son was little he wanted he wanted to grow up to be a professional football player i mean just all these kids do right yep. now as a as an adult do you have the heart to tell them no son you're right. never get, and you know probably they won't be right but you don't want to tell them somebody has that they to. won't be well, so here's my question somebody at some point you you get these phone calls coming in and they say where can i get a 350 inch bull you know that's, that's what i want some at some point Somebody's got to say, you know, I really love your enthusiasm and I, I want to encourage you to enjoy your adventure, enjoy the outdoors. But I also have to be the one person to break it to you, dude. It's probably not going to happen. Well, well I did a, I did not a hunt. That it couldn't. But I did it a hunt won't. consultation yesterday for a 31 year old. And I said, OK, here's what we're going to do. I, I'm going to I'm going to guess what your life is, is like right now. Here's where you are time wise, uh, career wise. Fiscal status-wise, you need a one-year plan, you need a three- to five-year plan, and you need a 20-year plan because you're 31 years old. You have time. There you go. You there can knock you this go. out. So that's what I set up with yeah, that he guy could, last You've got to have could, somebody to tell you yeah, that. Right. So, so, so when you call in here and say, Kelly, I want a 350, but I got no points, so you better have something else then you better have money because it's going to cost you money to get into a unit that have them. And then still then you might kill a 340 and, and we can't tell you you're going to be the guy that kills the biggest animal in camp that year. That, that We can't do that. But you're on the phone with that person and do you ever go this far and say, hey, you know, I'm kind of curious why you're even asking that question. Well, it's because of Instagram. Um, See, that's the thing. Do you do you go that deep with them and I, say, I think, "Look, let me yeah. teach you a little bit more about this experience that we're talking about"? Well, of course we have to, and that's that's clearly why um, we have all of the communication verticals inside of every hunt that we have. Overview hunt experience. We tried to build the best realistic yeah. expectations yeah. we can. We've built In the a, hunt catalog. Been, You're talking about the online, yeah, adventure, the online catalog. adventure catalog. If you've never been there, go there because everything that's bold uh, hunt experience, uh, gear list, media. Click on it, and a whole new world comes up. We support it with digital asset and written content so you can understand what each hunt is. But here's the problem. Um, 
we had a guy, no longer a client of ours. Um, he comes out. He says, uh, um, and, and 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 because it did not make a good fit. Not everybody's a good client of ours, right? So this guy comes out. He wants to go on a hunt. We give him on a hunt, and we say a high end deer, 180. Well, wouldn't you know it? This guy's sitting on stand, and he goes in there and he's hunted some other places with us. Cantankerous old guy, and uh, um, you know, very seldom is are things right, um, and but that's okay very discriminating client right right and and so guess what guess what 214 inch mule deer walks out and he kills that sucker first time they've ever killed it tips the guide nothing zero calls us up complains about the food and um and uh but now we got a 200 now here's what happens big mistake the outfitter puts that on all of his social media, everything, and then everybody, we get calls going, hey, uh, and it says hashtag rolling bones outdoors, and then guess what happens? People are calling us, they hey, when can that, that outfit that – no, 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 wait now, a minute. And that was a – it was a the fluke. fluke. <laughs> it was a light – yeah. It was a snowstorm in the middle of August yeah. in Houston, but, right? <laughs> but, you know, nobody, nobody – Not going to happen again. Nobody does an episode of a TV show on Outdoor Channel for a mediocre hunt. Yeah, we went out there and shot it, but we missed, and we went home. I mean, it might happen. And probably, I've, you, seen, I've seen that actually a couple did, of times. How did you handle that, Brian? We'll ask the expert. You, you've been an outfitter forever. Okay, I'm coming to British Columbia. You're right next to a certain unit. I decided to uh, book with you for a stone sheep, and they killed two over 165 last year. Um, do you have those type of sheep? Uh, no, I never would sell those kind of hunts. If I, if I called you up and said, uh, what, what, uh, I want to kill 165. I'd say we have uh, maybe 5% chance, 10% chance. So you're just there super you direct with them. Uh, otherwise, you're creating a problem for yourself. And those kind of guys like that, you need to send them to one or two other outfitters. That, I mean, I, some people truly want a giant ram, and they're not going to be happy without it. So even if I go to one of those places that can get me that giant ram. You have a better chance, maybe 20%. Yeah, 20, oh, tw- there it is. 20, so 25. then I have a 20% and if you, and if you booked, And I would tell the guy, book two hunts. Come for three weeks, and we'll give you a long hunt because you need time or you need a lot of scouting on the ground. And the problem with stone sheep, a lot of those areas are hard to scout. Right. And if you go scouting them, you can blow the sheep out of there, and then the hunter yeah. comes in. Yeah, so you have to be it. careful. It's not like private land stuff that you have water holes. It's a lot easier to scout public land where they're, like, rutting, you know, like elk bugling. It's easy because it's easy to locate them. Um, once the animals start breaking up in their bachelor groups, and it's public land, it's hard, right? You're hunting hunters. Stone sheep are tough. You can scout them. There's a few outfitters that do. There's a few guys that used to fly for them, but stone sheep are really hard to fly for. They're not like a doll sheep. So in there you go. You would just tell them. But the, well, even, you even got to look at the odds. If you've killed 20 rams, and everybody assume wants a good ram, and you've killed one that's over 165 or two, that's two out of 20 is 10% chance of killing. So then I'm going to give you my example because this comparing and competing I'm, I'm not impervious to this issue. This year, this past year, I booked a sheep hunt in, 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 yeah, the, yeah. in a, in a with an I outfitter. Have I have firsthand. I booked a sheep hunt with an outfitter that we have that traditionally has the biggest rams, some of the biggest rams in Alaska. Especially in that mountain range. Yeah, especially in that mountain range. So much so that when I talked to Coke Wallace at the Sheep Show, he goes, yeah, I heard you booked in there. And that should tell you because that's the best. He said that's one of the top three units 
in all or that's the top three camps in all of Alaska outside of the draw areas. Yeah, outside, Does that make sense? outside of the Chugash and a couple of those Toke. areas. Exactly. Yeah. Toke, Toke used to be – Toke is terrible now. Toke right. is worse in that area now. So I went there. I booked a hunt chasing giant rams and got myself in good enough shape where I was willing to walk away from a legal ram to find a bigger, better ram. Does this make sense? But I got off the, I got off the airplane. 11-year-old ram, beautiful, beautiful ram. You would have shot him. 50s. I would have shot him in a minute. And the hunter has his, the horn sitting there. I'm salivating. Then a young ram, 161 ram though. Oh my gosh! Come just dropped low, big old, big old uh, uh, seven year old, right? Yeah, seven year old ram, but carried mass, genetically mutated giant ram for a seven year old. And then there was a ten year old ram, still high 150s, beautiful ram. So here's three rams. I'd kill all three of them. Next 10 days, 87 miles on my feet, I did not see a legal ramp. But here's the difference. You still came away with that. You had a great hunt. I did. I mean, you know, you wish you'd have shot a sheep, but you embraced it. You soaked up every positive thing. Yeah, there was. Well, you knew the outcome could be what you experienced. You should always expect that. And that's my point. When you're talking to Kelly, if you're going to use a resource like us and you're going to come in, we work super hard at qualifying all our outfitters. Somebody sent in an email the other day and goes, you never vetted this one hunt. And I'm like, we don't vet hunts, we vet outfitters. And then we understand what they're going to produce and who they are. And to vet over 1,100 hunts, actual adventures, is is impossible for us. But what we do do is we qualify all 1,100 on what the best we can know. We can't control, and nor can you going on a hunt. None of us here can control weather. We can't control game patterns. We can't control, you know, the season before the winter. There's a lot of uh, elements. Smoke. Fire. I've I've seen fires ruin hunts. Yeah. Especially sheep hunting. You can't glass. So 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 sheep and smoke don't go hand in hand. So if you want to just kill the biggest animal possible and you have a number, my suggestion to you listening to this would be high fence. High fence or guaranteed land on our tags. You can go back year after year and know the area, know the outfitter. Mm -hmm. Because the more the outfitter knows you and the guide, the more he can deal with you. And the more you you have a known, it would be like going on a blind date and expecting to be perfect. But if I'm booking one elk hunt and expect to kill a 370 elk on my first time, what would you say? Even in a great unit, my odds of that would be. What would you say? Very low. Well, yeah, Get, very give me a low. number. Five. Less than 5%. Give me a number. Dep- uh, depends on the unit. Depends on the unit. Yep. Okay. Average. 5%, 8%. Well, there's just so many. There's Average. so few places just that have 370 elk. Uh, Archery elk, right? Yeah. Arizona uh, unit one or unit ten or different? Even I don't care for guys first time. What what can he expect? Let's say he's he lucky. Less if than he's one. not going on a guided hunt, less than one. If he's not less going on a guided 1%. hunt, he's lucky to have anything with horns and nuts. So there you go. So there you go. Yeah. You Bingo. just said we just <laughs> narrowed this down. Everybody listening to one of the greatest units in in Arizona and with the biggest bulls, and you still said what? Less than less one. Less than one percent. And you said what? He's lucky. <laughs> lucky getting with horns and nuts. <laughs> Bingo. So I th- I think something Brad said a minute ago was pretty important too. Is that put a plan together five yeah. five maybe ten five years i mean it's not like i'm going to walk out on the football field and well, start for an nfl team yeah because i'm going to have to work i, I can't remember and I work and work and work and practice to get there i have i have a bunch of elk under my belt and i still have my long-term plan how many of, of how i'm going to get you never stop how many no. how many points do you have right now 
in units in units that have that 31's quality. my most okay and 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 does does it have that quality of elk probably not no, no, no it I, doesn't I don't right now. i don't expect uh, well you don't expect it right i don't expect to find but a some bull people that would good. though brad some because yeah. there's been 400 inch bulls killed out of the unit you have 31 in yeah. but that was years ago you know yeah. fires changed it yeah. droughts changed it um uh, ehd yeah. uh you know not on elk so much but uh, disease yeah uh, and elk really don't get affected by disease like the deer do no but they but no but that's the thing i mean that I've, I've got 31 years of preference and i've been actually holding back just getting preference points the last few years because the quality is down how so many much. years did i have this year of um of uh, uh antelope points to draw in that unit in Montana? six i think seven. six or seven yeah and well that that's a perfect example perfect example so we're used to we're used to that unit having yeah. a crack in an 80 inch goat Yep. I mean, that's kind of the expectation. Yep. You had crap six this year. year? I had seven. Total, total Montana? crap year. Worst year ever. And yep. everybody, I put that Instagram post out. It got so many people going, oh, my God, we had the same understanding. Well, I had the same thing. We hunted for days, saw it small. It was such a drought. EHD was so bad. And the ones that made it just didn't grow. They, they just yeah. didn't have a good year. They were stunted. They were stunted, and and we killed. I mean, and so what do you do? It was you know, I, I seven years I waited. Well, you to still do that. on a, something like that. I would say if you waited 10, 15 years, I mean, just I mean, it's pretty hard to have a guy not shoot something. Well, here's exactly. Just, and at least on something. antelope, at least an antelope, you can pull a buck out of your butt literally the last day. Right. Some but of these elk and mule deer, you can't. So you if you can't. wait to the last day, there is nothing. That, that's a good point. But there's your seven years. Now you start over. Yep. You know, you got to embrace it for what well, it is. Hey, if you want and, big and antelope, though, New Mexico I'm going land. To Ma I was just going to say. I'm, you hunt I'm private land in Wyoming yeah. with outfitters that have access, then you can you can hunt good antelope every year if you play the odds. The and the guys, I have, I have clients from around the U.S. I know one guy, he focuses on big mule deer. He'll shoot a sheep and an elk, but he focuses on big mule deer. And he'll shoot three bucks over 185 or 190 every year. But he dedicates two months to it, yeah. and he knows who to call, and he knows how much it's going to cost him. And yeah. Yeah, I that, mean, that's a, a super niche. So, so I know a couple guys that are that way with elk. I, I I don't know one guy personally, but my friend said one guy shot three bulls over three seventy gross in one year. Yeah, that's just insane. And I personally, but, but not am a everybody's going to hunter. So <laughs> no, that's he shot one. I try in, to kill one over one eighty every year. Two two landowner tags and one one draw tag with a bow. You know, but I, that's but the, I, the guys who shoot big ones. Typically, shoot most of the big ones. Most of the big, big animals go to a small percentage. And of it's the not by accident, and they don't just walk into it and do it. See, they're huge inside knowledge. Like I have a friend. Yeah. We interviewed him on this, which takes time to build that knowledge. It does. It and takes, money. And I mean, the harder you work, the luckier you get. But here, here's the thing. You know, it takes the time. It takes that that journey to get to that point. Now, I think maybe we should do a podcast about this sometime about the hunt experience. We have that tab in the adventure catalog that talks about the experience. All of the things that, that you do. That's my favorite tab, too, because that's what, when they build I love new that hunts, tab I, too. Go, I, do too. I go right to it I go, do too. let me see this. But there's yep. that group of hunters that don't, they don't care about the experience. It's all about the size. Yeah, I know, but here's my point, is how do you get more out of the experience? And I know you guys do certain things, even, even from just 
every day, what you look at, the little things to journaling, to doing things like, you know, how do you appreciate your guide and, and the relationships that you build with the friends? You know, that'd be a good podcast because I That's actually what have I'm a saying. template. That's I what I'm a, saying. I actually have written a template that I have programmed into my mind on when I go into a camp because if I hit a bump in a you don't think, you think I'm impervious to bad attitude outfitters and guides working with, you know, and I, I just have a way that I have I can learned promise to you're not impervious <laughs> to I am not impervious pervious to it and I get some of the biggest you know and it, so actually we should do a podcast on that because can you imagine landing in, in camp with Brian Martin if you're an uber Christian guy who prays three times a day and doesn't want to ever talk about think about or look at anything about uh, um, that's uh, uh, a little risky at all and then land in camp with Brian Martin <laughs> Actually, I can I can go either way, but I, I have guys. Well, I didn't that make need me, to know that. He would need. He, I have guys TMI. that make me look that, tame. That guy though. would need no, counseling no. then when he's done, huh? I well, have, I've hunted with guys that make me look tame. I'm saying Brian Wolf with you. I'll give yeah. you the benefit of the doubt on that, Martin. I think maybe you have more respect for human beings than that. Uh, I don't know. A little, maybe. I don't no, know. I've had I've seen guys that uh, they're <laughs> super wild. Well, a good know, plan know, and a good strategy helps. I'm I'm twisted, but I'm not like as wild as. I know guys, I mean, my mind is uh, twisted and creative, but I know guys that they lived it. I talk about it and joke about it because it's funny, and these, some of these guys lived that. Yeah, and we'll be looking for something other than Spotify before long. Here's, <laughs> I, I would like to give, I would like to actually give a, a good analogy of that because as, as, as many of, of the negative stories we have, I'd like to end on a couple positive stories of, about this because, we, we, yes, we have people go in, they expect a 180, and then their disappointment. I, I would say that's why we put that hunt experience in there, and that's why we have those verticals, food, lodging, and physical um, exertion on there so they can look at what geographically uh, they're going to be up against when they go hunting, what lodging they're going to have, and what food. Because the lodging, food, and geographical, um, uh, I guess, uh, terrain is is a big part of that hunt. Does that make sense? And that's what people really need to understand. And we designed that for that reason. But we have a client. His name's Seth. And in I, and, 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 and respect that, I don't know if he wants me, because I'd love to get him on a podcast, but, but he, he likes his anonymity. Um, and his name's Seth, and he took his son hunting this year, um, and they're working on his slam. And Seth was in British Columbia, and they sat there and looked at this ram and looked at this ram and looked at this ram, and they ended up shooting the ram after a, a large, long debate about what this ram was going to be. When they got up to the ram, the ram was actually a genetic mutated ram. It was a dwarf. Everything was small about it. It, it was tiny. Everything about it was tiny. And they just couldn't figure it out, nor could the outfitter figure it out. Actually, Seth could pick the whole ram up and put it on his shoulders like a sheep, like like a shepherd with his lamb walking off. Now, this is, and this is a stone sheep, okay? And now, when he got up to it, they counted the rings on the ram, and it was a eleven plus year old ram. Which for Seth, it ages was everything. Was everything. He went absolutely berserk. He didn't want to shoot a seven or eight year old. I have the video right here on my phone. That's highly um, it, nobody confidential. It, highly confidential. He is jumping up like him and his 10-year-old son going nuts. Even though he could have been upset, we shot a dwarf ram. But you should see the joy he killed this ram. Now, the horns were representative of a smaller ram, too, but it was to- perfectly legal, full curl. You look at the picture of that ram, and you go, wow, that was a that was a good ram. But when you – because the picture doesn't tell the full tale. But anyway, 
it he went nuts about 11 year old ram he was so happy and i gotta tell you he books hunts all over with us you know what our outfitters say about him he's the most positive work hard guy you've ever experienced i love in your that life. love that but he goes not as a client he goes as like we talked about semi-guided he looks at it as he's going to be involved and help with the outfitter he's going to be spotting he's going to be a pack nobody's going to outwork him he might, he might not be cooking him. in camp yep but he's going to be helping with the horses hold the horse hold the leg skin the animal Look so at if the you animal, want to look judge at it. being a good hunter, that's a good hunter. So I have, I have. He's engaging. I have four touch points. I walk into a hunt with number one. Nobody's going to outwork me, and I, I, I approach my businesses that way too. Nobody's going to outwork me. Okay, number two, nobody's going to have a better attitude than I do. No matter what, I go into those hunts that way. Okay, number three, nobody's going to be more willing than me. Okay, I'm going to be the most willing guy in the camp. Okay, and number four, I'm when I when I squeeze the trigger, nobody's gonna be more happy than me, and so I live by those four. You know that all the time, and I I don't come off of that. Brad Dana shot this bull that afternoon, that evening. He didn't for sure connect the dots between the bull we passed that morning and the bull that evening. We got into the truck and we had to drive. We had to hike out three quarters of a mile get into the vehicle because it was all public land and we had to go through this huge gulch to get to him. It took us an hour and 15 minutes to circumnavigate the globe to get over to this animal after he shot him. While we were in the vehicle with his best friend of life, um, it not, that's probably his wife, but his best friend from childhood, he said, so you didn't like him this morning, but you killed him this afternoon. And Brad goes, ah, I don't think it's the same bull. And I went, I think it's probably the same bull. And Jason goes, mm, it's the same bull. And so Jason, Brad goes, mm, don't think so. So Jason pulls up the video because he was running the other camera. He goes, Brian, is this your video? I pulled up the video. I go, this is my video. Brad goes, well, damn it. That's probably the same bull. So Brad's sitting there. Now he's got an hour of thinking before we get to the, approach this bull. I set the camera up down about 70 yards. And I'm going out of my mind because I'm now seven yards away from this bull. And all I can see is this beam. And I, I'm not exaggerating. You can hardly get both hands around it by its fourth. Okay? And Brad's walking up. I just can't wait for him to pick this, this thing up. The expression on Brad's face, because he thought he killed a 355 bull. And he, like he said, he's killed a gazillion bulls. Biggest he's ever killed. He picked those horns up, and he looked down the hill at Jason and I, and he literally almost shit his pants with that smile on his face because it was like, are you, what is this? Are you kidding me? And he, he, he visually, I could see him shaking, holding onto those horns. And that's that exact same thing. Just go for what it well, is and enjoy it. Does I will, that make sense? Yeah, but I will say in hunting, if you are like, I mean, to say that size doesn't matter would be a lie. A hundred percent. Because when I when I walked up on that Marco Polo or my big ibex or big grizzly bear and my brown big bear, mule deer, no, it, it, it does. I did the there, same there's thing. a you just sta stand there and stare at it. You can't help. You don't know what to say because it's so rare. And if you shoot just a normal one, it, it honestly it, it is a lot different. So go hunting and embrace that moment when it happens. Because it's not always going to happen, but but don't be disappointed when it doesn't. You would be been fully fine with 350. It just blew your mind when you walked. That was worth everything, was it not? 
Yeah, well, there's a lot to you know the 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 years of knowing that this is this is a one and done. Never get another, never get another crack at this this unit. Um, yeah, there's just there's so much that goes into it, and enjoy it for what it is. Uh, make the most of it. Make the most of it. Get prepared. Be ready. Um, and have fun. So 393 was a treat. It was icing yeah. on the cake. But you would have been excited if he was 360 or 370. I would have been. I would have been. I would have been elated with that bull. There was probably three bulls that I could have shot that it, that it'd be hard to not be happy with that day. Exactly. Well, I tell you what, guys. This has been a fun podcast, and I just want to do a couple quick reminders before we go. Be sure to subscribe to Hunt the World wherever you get your podcast. You'll find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, and many other locations. Also, if you'd like, leave us a review. Hopefully this helps. We spent a lot of time trying to uh, put these together, giving uh, an idea of what we want to do. Brian Martin has a plethora of information in that large cranny of his. Um, Brad Dana lives this every day. He's always looking at um, draw results. It's every hour of every day. Uh, the staff here takes what we do really seriously. Uh, tell us what you think. Tell us what topics you'd like to hear. We want to produce a product that's quality um, and high level for you. Just a quick reminder also, visit rollingbones.com. Check out our membership um, and get get started today, man. Let us help you. Even if it's one state, I want to start getting points in Colorado. I want to start getting points in uh, um in Wyoming. I want to start getting points in Montana. Those would be my top three picks if I had to pick one state um, and start uh, getting, you know, mule deer, elk, and antelope. Um, it's absolutely um, unbelievable. We do cover all 50 states as just a quick reminder. And uh, we make paying for your next adventure easy for our members with a little help. It's called the uh, Hunt Expedition Layaway Plan, okay? Um, pay for your next trip a little bit at a time until it's paid for. Get a hold of us. Let us talk to you about it. Our membership has tons of benefits. Here's what it really is designed to do. It's designed to get you on your next adventure of a lifetime. Take you on that hunting trip you never thought you could, whether that be with your daughter or your son or your best hunting buddy or maybe just you getting dropped off in the middle of nowhere with somebody to help you get that, uh, um, that dream of a lifetime as a reality. So until next time. Be safe, stay healthy, and happy hunting.